everyone, and welcome back to Can't Hardly Wait Minute. The podcast where we analyze the 1998 graduation party classic, Can't Hardly Wait, one minute at a time. I'm your co-host, Aaron. I'm your co-host, James. And we're at minute 70, which begins with Mike saying, shut up, to the room full of people laughing at him. Uh-huh. And ends with Amanda running down the deck stairs. My first note is that William has apparently sobered up. Yeah. Uh, and I said through sex, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Sex room. I mean, makeout room. Uh-huh. Yes. Through through makeout, he has sobered he up. Has, he made out hard. Uh-huh. And he and remembered the mission. Yes. Yeah. My note is William is pleased. Yeah. He, for the first time, it's like, oh, right. I hate that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was... William's whole trajectory in this movie is sure something, huh? It's like... He, he walks into the party homing in on Mike and immediately is knocked off course for the most of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he's stone cold sober and remembers what's happening. Right. Or appears to be stone cold sober. Is he actually... I can't remember if he actually... He is a little bit drunk still. Yeah. But he is, like, not super drunk. Yeah. Then comes one of... Mike is telling everyone to shut up, and then he says one of my favorite things. I'll kick everyone's ass in this room. Mm-hmm. Which is so funny in terms of, like, the the big, money, big man on campus fall from grace, but he's mm-hmm. still trying to use that one last bit of, like, do I have this threatening power? Yep. And he finds that he does not. <laughs> the only thing wrong with this delivery is that his voice doesn't crack in the middle of it. That is so true. I that want so it to true. crack like Steve Zahn's. Uh-huh. I'll kick everyone's ass in this room. Yeah, that would be hilarious. But it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. But what does happen is a song starts playing. Uh-huh. <laughs> so as we mentioned in the last minute or the minute before that, it has been no soundtrack for a while. Like yeah. someone stopped the stereo mm-hmm. while this thing started playing. Uh, someone apparently hit the stereo and it starts playing P-Funk's Flashlight, which has a great sort of like, we're having a party, we're having a party, we're having a party sort of beginning to it, mm-hmm. which only like hit makes a bigger period in the Mike Dexter is no one anymore sort of story. Yep. So here's a little bit about the P-Funk or Parliament Funkadelic song Flashlight. Okay. It was written by George Clinton, Bernie Worrell, and Bootsy Collins. It was for the 1970, January 1978 album uh, Funkin' Telechi versus the Placebo Syndrome because funk, ba- funk bands have the best album titles of all time. Mm-hmm. Funkin' Telechi? Yeah, anyways, um... It was the first number one R&B hit by any of the P-Funk groups and spent four months on the U.S. pop chart, peaking at number 16. Uh, It became their second certified million-selling single following the song Give Up the Funk, parentheses, Tear the Roof Off the Sucker. Okay. It also gave Casablanca Records its first number one R&B hit. In New Zealand, the song reached number three and is ranked as the number eight hit of 1978. The da-da-da-dee-da-da-da-da-da-da-da chant in and the like the bridge of it uh was based on a chant from a dance at a bar mitzvah party that george clinton heard had heard from a friend okay so it's literally from he was like man that's that that chant they're doing at that bar mitzvah is a jam okay Um, which is awesome yeah (laughs) um its success would greatly influence not only funk music but also new wave and hip-hop and then it listed a number of of hip-hop songs that sampled it and whatever uh for but in summary, the Houston Press ranked Flashlight as Clinton's most sampled song, finding more than 60 uses of this song. Wow. 
um, which is a lot. Yeah. And then this next sentence that I'm about to say is one of my favorite facts I've told I've said on this show. Okay. There's a magazine called Tablet Magazine that rated Flashlight number 75 in its list of the 100 best Jewish songs. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Be- remember before when I mentioned the bar mitzvah uh-huh. thing? <laughs> that's why? I guess that's enough to have it be counted as a Jewish song. I mean, okay. And then finally, uh, in 2011, uh, Rolling Stone ranked this song as the uh, 202nd on its list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Yep. Also, in Muppets from Space, they made a duet with uh, uh, Peppy the, the King Prawn um, oh. with this song. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if, hey, if you like funk music, the Muppets from Space soundtrack is excellent. It okay. is a great funk album in sort of the same way that like Forrest Gump was a great classic rock's greatest hits album. Um, the Muppets from Space soundtrack is sort of a good sample of like, now that's what I call funk music sort of deal, which is astounding. But. Interesting. Okay. Well, hey. So then Mike goes outside mm-hmm. and we get an, a big establishing shot with a shot that I have been looking forward to for literally this entire movie. Yep. There's someone doing backflips in the in the middle ground, mm-hmm. and that is Ethan Embry. You can't tell that it's him because it's from far enough away. But yeah, yeah. I, I wrote down backflip Ethan Embry. Now, you know, I'm just now realizing, were they backflips or back handsprings? They may have been back handsprings because backflips would involve not touching the ground in your rotation, right? Right, and I'm pretty sure he just did like four or five back handsprings in a row, which is not any less impressive. Right. Yeah, it, I mean, like, it's the thing that when gymnasts want to really kind of flex, yeah. they'll do, and you're just like, ah, so I see you do gym. Right, and Gymnastics. the, the thing is. is, once you learn how to do it, I imagine it's no harder than doing a cartwheel. Right, which to me, even a cartwheel is like, meh. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've never been able to do one. Lorelai's working on her back handspring right now. She can do a round-off back handspring on the tumble trampoline. Okay. Like, there's like a, there's like a long trampoline track yeah. at, uh, at the, the gym, and she can do it on that. She can't do it yet on the floor. Right. Because it's, I guess, I think, she could, I think she's psyched herself out. Mm. Of being able to, do, I don't know that she could do the round off back handspring on the floor yet, but right. she could definitely do a back handspring if she would just stop convincing herself that she did, that she can't. Right. But yeah, I think that once you get it, it's one of those things that, like, I mean, clearly Ethan Embry, you know, did gymnastics as a kid and can still, in you know, a, as a young adult, was still able to do back handspring. Right. Yeah. So I think it's one of those that, like, once you've learned it, as long as your body stays in the physical shape that is required to be able to do it, then yeah. you're able to. I've never been able to successfully do a cartwheel. Yeah, same. Once and ever in my life. As a, as a Tolman, I, mm-hmm. I, I gave up on that dream long, long ago. Like, yeah. I, and also, uh, like, dives. Yeah. I'm never going to. I'm never going to do it, and that's fine. <laughs> I don't like the feeling of being upside down. Yeah. And I have weak noodle arms, mm. but mostly it's that I never bothered to strengthen my arms to allow me to do things like cartwheels, mm-hmm. because I don't like the feeling of being upside down, even though it is for such a brief moment. Like, one of my least favorite things in the world is something that happened a lot in, like, high school and college. Like, you know, as a fairly slight female, 
I would frequently be picked up by taller guy friends and like flung over their shoulder and carried around. And I hated it. And it's, you know, it was one of those things where like, you know, sometimes it's somebody that you have a crush on. And so there's like this element of, you know, okay, I mean, I guess it's fine because, you know, you're touching me or whatever. Right. But it's one of those where, like, could you touch me in literally any way other than turning me upside down? All right, here's a would you rather, just real quick. Okay. Actually, this is a fairly appropriate would would you rather as we move into the latter part of this minute. Mm -hmm. If a guy is going to accost you and you like it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Out of context, that sounds wrong, but I I I think everyone's following me here. Uh-huh. Would you rather be flung over a shoulder or tickled? Ooh. F- I think flung over a shoulder. Okay. I, that's what I thought you might say. Because I feel like you hit a point with the being, like, not only can you kind of get yourself upright so that you don't have to be upside down right. all the way, but they also, I feel like t- people get tired of carrying a flailing person around right. sooner than <laughs> they get tired of tickling someone who, I feel like the tickly mm-hmm. runs out of steam way sooner than the tickler. Sure. Um, well, an involuntary reflex is being extracted from them. I think that's that's fairly draining. <laughs> yes. Um, also, I do feel like there's a much more serious no, like you were taken more seriously when you say okay, but but really, please put me down. Right. Than you are when you are giggling right. through your okay, but no, really, I don't want to be tickled anymore. Tickling yeah. is, is mm, I was just about to say something dumb, but instead I'm going to walk it back and say tickling is the second most best uh, no means no test for a guy or for yeah. anyone. Anyways, yeah. Like tick, tickling's fine, but when someone, it, you know, if they say stop, right. then you, you stop. Like exactly. I tickle my kids, but like, I mean, if you put your stinky foot in my face, it's going to get tickled. Right, right, right. But when they pull it away and squeal and say, Mom, stop, right. I, I do. Right. I mean, I will sometimes say, I didn't, stop what? Yeah. I definitely didn't just tickle you when you put your stinky foot in my face. Right. I, uh, Is that gaslighting? Maybe a little bit, but. I think you, I think it's, I think it's gaslighting, but lampshading. So I think it cancels out. Yeah. Like you're, you're gaslighting, but also pointing to it. So I think you're fine. It, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Matt is really fun to tickle because he is very high pitched in his in his. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and also, he has virtually no meat on his bones, so it's all nerves and stuff. Yeah. Lila is fine, and appropriately, and you know, body autonomy and whatever. She is quick to be like, "Stop it!" I'm like, "Okay." Yeah. Uh, stopping it right away. <laughs> but yeah, um, she is funner to to mess with with wordplay. Um, yeah. And she always has been. Okay, so um, <laughs> speaking of uh, men accosting women. Yep. Segway. <laughs> this, the rest of this minute is just that. Um, it sure is. So all throughout this movie, and as I've done, as I've done my collaboration stuff, hey, uh, if, you're reading, if you're listening to this, it's December. My November newsletter is up, and it is seven days long and a lot. <laughs> a lot. Sure is. But uh, there was this guy named Christopher Wheel who plays a character named Horny Guy. And I was like, oh. Horny Guy? Who the hell is that? And he's in Girl. So, like, I saw him in other things. And I was like, okay, it's that guy. Who is he in, in Can't Hardly Wait? What Horny Guy? They're all horny. They're teenagers. Right. Then he showed up on screen in this minute. And I was like, 
horny guy. Got yeah. it. So just real quick, Christopher Wheel, who again plays horny guy. I hate how many times I've said the word horny. Uh, he played. Wait, di- I'm sorry. What was it? What was his character's name? Uh, horny guy. Um, horny guy. Yes, horny guy. Horny guy. <laughs> Trip McNeely. Derek. He played Trip Derek McConnell McNeely. in Playmakers. <laughs> Uh, he played Hank Pettigrew in CSI, and he played Carson Boyd in Bull. So I guess white guy. Yep. I'm fascinated by people that are in CSI as the as a recurring character for like five episodes. Yeah. Because I think about like, what if you watched CSI regularly or like NCIS or any like, and and that's the rest of my note is he was in Buffy, Clueless, the show, Charmed, and Ghost Whisper, like every other single fucking person in this movie, right? Um, plus a bunch of other CSI stuff, NCIS and Law and Order stuff, like just like yeah. actor stuff. Yeah. What if you regularly watched CSI or NCIS, and I was like, oh, he played um, Hank Pettigrew in CSI, and you're like, oh yeah, Hank Pettigrew. He was on for a little bit. He chased the noose bag killer. That mm-hmm. was a good arc. And you're like... Was that, that was my favorite arc, oh, man. honestly. The noose bag killer. James Spader's <laughs> turn as the noose bag killer was just mm, so I good. I mean, James Spader's so good in everything, though. <laughs> but like... It was really a twist when it turned out that he was actually David Spade, though. And no. So Horny Guy comes up to Amanda and says... Hey, Amanda, I saw what happened just back there, and I was wondering if you wanted to come out to maybe come out to my van so we can turn that frown upside down, which is so frustrating to appear in minute 70. Mm-hmm. It's just like, come on, writers, organize your time better. Yeah. You couldn't have made that line happen 20 seconds prior? Yeah. You know what you could have cut that would save you 20 seconds, writers? A lot. A lot. But, but specifically specific, one thing. Right. So then Stoner Guy comes up and God help him. God love him. God just give him lots of pot. I just, he comes up and he says the most bald faced teenage boy thing of all time. <laughs> Would you like me to read the exact line? I have it written down, but I can't turn down an opportunity to hear you play one Stoner, two Guy. Oh, man, I'm so excited. Go ahead. Okay. Amanda, hey, I just saw what happened and I... Oh, God, you're a hottie. And then she gets grossed out and starts to walk away. Hey, can I see you naked? (laughs) Just... (laughs) It's the fact that he realizes... Because the thing is, the whole, hey, I just saw what happened, he goes into this... Not intending to hit on her. And right. because he's so stoned, it's like as he say as he is, I guess, going into this to say, I just saw what happened. Are you okay? Which is really what it seems like this is gonna start out as. And maybe he was trying to be subtle, sort of a don't be suspicious, sort of like get in there, Clive, and and like in you know Maybe Good intention, bad intention, whether he's on a pressed the Preston to Cousin Ron scale of interaction. He forgot. Yeah, you see the moment where his brain goes, boops. Yeah. It's like he's talking to her and his eyes drift down from her face to her chest. And like teenage boy just like the switch flips. Kicks right in. Yeah. And then as she's walking away that, hey, can I see you naked? Like, no, my dude, she is walking away from you after having just gone, oh, 
Yeah. Like, no, you you can't. Read the room. Read the room. Oh, you can't? Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then reminiscing guy. Mm-hmm. At two reminiscing guy. Yep. Comes up and says, hey, remember the time you danced with me at the soft hop? Now, I just want to pause here. The subtitles say sock hop, and that makes more sense linguistically, but I am sure that he says soft hop, which I imagine is a sophomore dance. Oh, interesting. The transcript says sock hop, and that's what I had always heard, but I think that was my brain hearing the thing that made the most sense to me. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense, and if you if you heard sock hop, and the subtitles said sock hop, and the transcripts say sock hop, I totally understand why all three of you are wrong. It's soft hop. So, okay. <laughs> no, but no like, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, no, soft hop, like if it's a soft, the sophomore hop makes sense. It's ridiculous in the exact right way for high school. Yes. Like some well-intentioned guidance counselor or like event planning commissioner. I don't know how high school works anymore. Um, <laughs> we're, we're so old. <laughs> um, being like soft hop, nailed it. It's like sock hop. And every person on the event planning com- committee who, again, is 14 is like, what on earth is a sock hop? Mm-hmm. And then poor old Mrs. Williams is like, it was back in, you all suck. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we're calling it the soft hop. But why? Yep. I don't care. You're all grounded. You're not my mom. I am yours, Johnny. Oh, right. Sorry. I can also see it going with Mrs. Williams being like, okay, uh, sock hop planning committee. And then she gets a phone call and has to step away. And every all of the teenagers are like, did she say sock hop? What is that? And one of them's like, I think she must mean soft hop because it's the sophomore class dance. And that's kind of a weird name. But, you know, she's like, everybody loves Mrs. Williams and she's getting old. We should just go with it. Oh, I like that Mrs. Williams canon way more than the one I was painting. That That's a way better. <laughs> that's a way better Mrs. Williams in, in the pilot of her show. Hey, Mrs. Williams, you have a phone call where every uh-huh. episode she gets a phone call. She sets yep. up the conflict and then leaves like Nana yep. and Papa Babies. I kind of actually love that. I like it, too. And I love that all of the students think she's a little bit doddering and old, but she's actually just like 40. Yeah, exactly. She's like 40, 47, somewhere in there. Like she's she's an, one of the teachers who is old enough that the teenagers consider her older. Right. But she's not nearly old enough to be doddering. Right. But the fact that she says things and then gets a phone call and walks away and they're like, oh, that old Mrs. Williams. <laughs> Always saying things. Just saying things that make no sense. What is AIM? (laughs) (laughs) So he says, uh, remember when that time you danced with me at the soft hop? Which I love that reminiscing guy starts every sentence with remember. Uh, Uh That's awesome. Yep. Uh, And he says, I never told you, but I had the hugest boner at the time. And I wondered if maybe we could work things out. Oh, jeez. The thing is, when he first comes up to her and he's like, hey, remember the time when you danced with me? And she's like, oh, this guy's not going to be a creep. Like, because she has just seen him with with Preston. Yeah. He's like, hey, remember the time? And she's like, "Okay, this is going to be an uh, an annoying if but like normal conversation. It's the golden retriever. He's come up to to get a pet. And then the golden retriever starts humping her leg. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly what it is, yeah. Ugh. Ugh. And then I have some rando, as she walks away, says, hey, let's get you out of that skirt, baby. Oh, I didn't catch that one. I think I was writing other things down. And my last note is, men are the worst. So, 
Yep. <laughs> Anytime Facebook takes down a post that says men are garbage, uh, there should be an automated, you just post this minute. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From I'll kick everyone's ass in this room to, hey, let's get you out of that skirt, baby, is mm-hmm. just like the, you know, the timeline of all the, the full spectrum of all the dumbass ways even the best intentioned of reminiscing guys can be the worst. Yeah. Ugh. I'm probably going to title this this episode Men of the Worst. Yep. I think that's fine. Cool. Social just, media? Yeah, social media. <laughs> we are on Twitter at JE underscore Minute Movies, and we can found, be found individually on Twitter at I am at Unabashed James. And I'm at Unabashedly Aaron. We are part of the Scavengers Network, which we love being a part of, we love talking about, and we love writing and making and domineering. <laughs> sort of just really taking over just through our sheer enthusiasm the patreon the scavengers network patreon uh which i mentioned before with my the november newsletter mm-hmm. which again is a week long of just re- i called it james's ridiculous movie week okay because that is literally what it is it was a ridiculous time-consuming thing that i loved doing i'm glad you loved doing it and it didn't halfway through get into the I mean, I'm committed at this point, so I guess I have to, but oh, I'm so tired of this. Halfway through was the uh, the HBO movie about the 2008 housing financial crisis called oh. Too Big to Fail. So it did hit that a little bit. <laughs> um, if William Hurt wasn't such a fucking good actor, yes, absolutely. Also, okay. everyone is in that movie. Like, okay. I'm like, oh, the, William, uh, Bill Pullman. I almost called him William Pullman, which is weird. Yes. Bill Pullman, Tony Shalhoub, um... Cynthia Nixon, it, all these people wow. are in this movie. Okay. Yeah, it was. It's basically like they pulled everyone from anything that has ever shown on HBO, and they're like, "Hey, want to be in a movie where you play a boring person?" And they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." Actually, do I get paid for it? Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> hey, James Spader's in this one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the fact that James Spader was not in it is actually a gigantic travesty. I can only imagine he was making some amazing other thing. So, anyways. Patreon.com slash The Scavengers Network um, is where you can find that. We do, Aaron and I do newsletters and recommendations and bonus stuff from the shows we do. Um, Mason has put some videos up. Mm -hmm. There is one video about audio production that is one of the funniest things I've ever watched with my own human eyes. Mason is a genius. He is a a genius and frustratingly modest about that. Yep. It's like I love him and I think he's amazing. And anytime he says otherwise, I'm like, how dare you insult my friend like that? Mm-hmm. But yeah, patreon.com slash the scavengers network. Uh, go there. Uh, $2 a month gets you access to everything we've talked about uh, and more. Going back to before Aaron and I were part of the Patreon and part of the network uh, when it was a lot quieter. Mm-hmm. Like, not a lot quieter. There was still bonus co- content and whatever. But. Before the loud, before the louds came. Yeah, I was gonna say it's, there was still bonus content, but it was quieter bonus content. It was the energy was, like, was different. Season one of You Have a Phone Call, Mrs. Williams, where it was like it was just like Gary and Denise and Shonda, and it was just like fun misunderstandings. Mm-hmm. And then season two, where Lefty and Pinky came, and it was just like ugh, they are exhausting. <laughs> I'm lefty. He's pinky. I I was so happy that you tagged yourself. I was about to tell you to tag yourself. Which one are you? (laughs) Cool. Anyways. All right, lefty. I think that is it. I guess all that's really left to do. We have gotten out of this week, which I'm really happy we're there. We're about to have an incredibly awkward moment next week. Yep. 
<laughs> one that gives me literal nightmares. Not literal nightmares, figurative nightmares, but nightmares nonetheless mm-hmm. um, about social interaction. But we're not there yet. We're going to take our sweet time getting there because time is honeys. Go hot dogs. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.